Are you ready for an amazing episode on Jackson Share Sports Radio that's available on six different platforms? Because I can tell you right now, if you're not listening to an episode of Jackson Share Sports Radio, <laughs> you are surely missing out, my friend. We'll start us off on Jackson Share Sports Radio today. Joining me, Reese Mona, to talk about his March Madness experience, what it's like to play in March Madness this year especially. I mean, it has been a crazy year, um, and what an amazing like time that we could get March Madness on. Imagine like last year at this time, we didn't have March Madness going. So it's just really, uh, I think a lot of the players appreciate it and really definitely are going to try to take advantage of March Madness as it goes on. So thank you so much for joining me, Reese, and uh, we could get going pretty soon. So, um, you know, you guys had a great season. Like you said in our last interview, Daryl even said it, Mark Turgeon, all of Terps Nation was counted out. Um, and just like literally every single Terps fan, everyone that was on the team, you guys, you, um, all the Terps were counted out. How did you, what were some ways that you dealt with adversity this season? Um, so some ways that we dealt with adversity could be that we kind of took all that hate and that counted out, counting us out and used that as motivation. Um, of course, you don't want to listen too much into it and lose confidence, but we remained confident, remained together. And we, really leaned, we really leaned on each other uh, as a program, as a staff, as players. But like I said, for the fuel in our locker room, and uh, I was just looking at yesterday. We had a picture, and it had us up there, and that we were predicted 11th in the conference. Um, so we had those in our lockers saying we'll be 11th, saying we don't have enough power, losing sticks and ant. And, I mean, we use that as motivation because uh, 11th place in the conference won't get you in the tournament, so we projected no tournament, 11th conference. And for us to finish the way we did was pretty special. I mean, just absolutely just so much respect, so much – just pride that you guys should have. I mean, it's just really, really awesome. You guys were counting out all season. Everyone was like, even when you went on the five-game win streak, people were like, I don't know, maybe like a lucky run. I mean, you guys really proved people wrong. You went in, you beat UConn, and you did your best against Alabama. So, I mean, what what can you do? You did everything you possibly could to try and win those games. Um, and that's, that's all you can do, I guess. Um, so with that in mind, what was this season like, you know, compared to other seasons, past seasons, where Anthony Cowan was on your team, Jalen Smith, and Big Bruno? Yeah, so like you're saying, without having Sticks and Bruno, we had to find almost a new identity. Uh, we didn't have a shot blocker this year. So normally, a shot blocker can make up for so many errors on defense. Because if you get beat, you just go into the rim and probably going to get blocked. Or if it's not blocked, the shot will be altered by a big man. So this year, uh, we had Galen as a big man, but he's not a shot block uh, like a Bruno or Sticks. So we really had to focus on keeping the ball in front and guarding your man. Uh, of course, help side defense and the way we guarded, but we had to keep guys out of the paint. So they got in the paint. There's no shot blocker down there, really, that would give them a threat like we're used to. So that was a big switch up. And I mean... You could see, though, how we had to focus on defense, and that really became who we were this year, uh, giving the second – we allowed the second uh, least amount of points in the Big Ten, which is awesome. And I think down the stretch, our defense really carried us. Uh, like you said, we got the five-game win streak. 
and we had huge wins against Michigan State, both at home in the tournament, and then beating UConn. I think defense was a huge part of that, um, and I think that was a big part of our identity this year in terms of how that was different than other years. Yeah, for sure. Definitely double teaming. Every time there was a big man like Miles Johnson uh, in on Rutgers, um, Luca Garza on Iowa, and just people like Dickinson as well on Michigan. You guys just, the second they got the ball, clamped in, double team, and the second they passed it right back out, I mean, it was you went right back to man defense. It was just so funny to see how they couldn't score. Uh, all the other teams, just because you guys, your defense was so quick, hands in their face, feet moving, using your bodies, not not your hands, and just really just, you know, making sure they don't score. That was awesome. That was really, really good. Exactly. So we had great scouting reports. Like you said, when we had bigs, we'd double. We'd practice that hard and practice, rep it a lot. And we had different ways we'd double. Um, you could double from the passer, double from the cutter, uh, double from the baseline, uh, double big to big. So... We knew our scouting report depend on each team. If they shooters, it was uh, we started doubling from the baseline so we could stay close to shooters. So we really locked in. Uh, Coach Church and staff did a great job of scouting report and adjustments um, because teams started finding out that we we're doubling to try to pick it apart. So we had to switch it up. Um, but I thought it was impressive, and the guys listened, locked in, and we worked so hard for each other that they really made it work. Yeah, for sure. You guys definitely advance as a unit as a result of those defensive plays <clears throat> and points leading on off turnovers too. So um, definitely commend you guys on that. So what was this March Madness experience like overall? What was it like? You know, what did you do? What made it fun? So to start off, we just had to be so thankful and grateful that we had a tournament yeah. um, coming from anyone who was here last year knows it, could, it can be taken away. Uh, COVID took it away from us last year, which is very heartbreaking. So for us to make the tournament, for there to be a tournament, uh, we were also thankful and grateful to be there. But it was different. Um, for us being the Big Ten, we were already in Indianapolis. So we were there for two weeks, uh, a little over two weeks, almost, yeah, well over two weeks, like 17 days. And during that time, once we got in the NCAA bubble, I was probably outside for a total of a minute, except for one day I was outside for like 15 so, I mean, it was tough. Cause, I mean, I like fresh air, getting outside, seeing the sun. So that was different. Um, that was different, but that's something I would sacrifice. I would do it for two months if I had to, just to play an NCAA tournament. So something you got to sacrifice. And it was still fun. I mean, it's still a lot of fun, just being in a hotel with your guys, all the excitement. I mean, you turn on the TV, it's March Madness this, March Madness that. And for us to be in it and us to win a big game against UConn, oh, it was yeah. awesome. So... It was really special. I mean, you everyone feels the hype of March Madness. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether you play, whether you're a fan, whether you just like filling out a bracket. Um, it's so exciting to be a part of it. It's always, always so special. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, just to be a part of it, just amazing. And you guys were counted out. Going back to being counted out all season, you guys were in it. So no one can take that away from you. So, uh, you know, with that UConn game, what was that like? You know, what What was that game? What was the game plan going into that game? Yeah, so when we started watching on film on them, we all noticed how good of a team they really are. Um, I mean, their guards are really, really good. And then their three, fours, and fives are all really athletic, really strong, crash the glass. So we liked the matchup, though, because it wasn't a true 
five man that was dominant. They have a really good five man, but he's not huge. And we've dealt against good five men. So we had a good game plan and it was really guard the ball. And for, we just had to know who's a shooter, who's a non-shooter. 12 for them is a really, really good shooter. So we wanted to give him no threes. Um, and it was being able to help off the guys who aren't great shooters for them. So if Book Knight's driving and you're on a non-shooter, you've got to be there to help keep him out of the lane because he's such a great player. And then Cole, too. If he's driving and you're on a non-shooter, to help. But then to realize if you're on a great shooter like number 12, it's a quick show and get back because if he hits a three, that's on you. And he's such a good three-point shooter. So it was really, for them, it was more about personnel, um, knowing who's a shooter, who's a non-shooter. Because they're less of, we went through their plays, but we switch one through five and if Galen's in, we switch one through four. So it's really about knowing who you're guarding, not about their plays. Because when you switch, you take things out, out a lot of what they do. That's kind of what we were doing. We switch one through four, one through five. So it's knowing who you're guarding and knowing their personnel. It's the big part. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, there was no big man. Like it was, there was no Dickinson. There was no Garza. There was no big man. It was six nine. Six foot nine was their biggest guy. And I mean, you guys can match up with that easily. So you got a couple inches shorter. Dante Scott's a little shorter, but so what? I mean, you're right there. Doesn't matter. Two inches, three inches, it's fine. And you guys really stepped it up on defense. They couldn't shoot the ball. I mean, every single shot that they shot, they had like 22 points in the first half. Oh, yeah, 22. They couldn't shoot for their life. And I don't know if that was just a bad night for them or your defense just getting in their head. That was just an insane sequence of events. You know, they just couldn't. The game started, everyone was excited, tip off, you lost, you lost a tip, they go down, they can't score, and then you guys go down and you're hitting threes and dunking, Aaron Wiggins dunking. I mean, what is that like? What What is the atmosphere in the stadium like? That that must be insane. Yeah, with the vibes didn't say a tournament. And us, this year, that was the first time we had really that many amount of fans, so it was cool that it happened in the state tournament. Oh, yeah. But I think that, that second half stretch of that seven minutes where – I mean, we made a good run. Both teams were soaring a little bit more, and then we had Wiggins dunk, and then Dante's dunk back-to-back. I mean, that was probably the coolest minute span of a game, one of the coolest of my life, just the excitement of the fans, us making a run and beating such a good UConn team in the NCAA tournament was really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was just... Oh, there was just... Watching through the TV, there was just something that was really, really special that I saw about you guys. You guys really moved the ball great defensively we're sticking in there and offensively we're executing so definitely good there um and now onto the Alabama game I know I know you don't want to talk about this probably it was a tough game you know I mean they were literally every single shot they hit like I'm it's just oh I was so upset every single shot you know they hit they shot the shot was up and I was like oh here we go again and then they just came out of halftime right after and just kept shooting but what was you know going into that game um, you know, you still were playing in the game, so that wasn't like it wasn't like you guys weren't in the game. You guys were sticking with them, um, only down like eight at half, and that was that was solid. So I mean, if you guys can stick with that, I'm excited for next year as well too. What was the game plan going into the Alabama game as well, and what did Turgeon put an emphasis on? So it was a tough part, and it was a tough one for us to follow because of they play a very unique style. They go five out. Um, and they really like to go one-on-one, but the second you help, they kick for a three. So the problem was we play such a good help side defense, uh, like we call it gets the nail. So 
when someone's driving, you're helping and you're recovering. But with them, when you help and they kick and you recover, then they're just pulling three. So our game plan was trying to stay closer to the shooters, which is almost everyone on their team, and have, try to almost help less, like fake, like jab and get back. But it's tough because we went probably 200 days teaching you help with the nail, then when they kick, you recover. So it's hard to break those habits. And we had one day to prep for that. And I don't think we did a good enough job with staying close to the, the shooters rather than helping. But like I said, we've spent probably 200 days practicing helping at the nail and recovering. So they really, they made us pay for over kind of over helping, but they're hard to guard. They're really tough to guard. If they hit like that, you can't stop them really. So that was tough just the way they got hot, but they're a great basketball team. And if they keep playing like that, they could very well win a national championship. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you guys were contesting every single time you were in their face, you were, your hand was in their face as they were shooting and they still made it like they, they just will not, they refuse to miss. It, it was just not a, no one could stop them. Reese, to be honest, really no one could Baylor couldn't Gonzaga couldn't not even uh, teams like Iowa could. And I know they're out right now, but no one, no one could stop them with that. They were just unstoppable. So, I mean, that's, I guess I can see why Charles Barkley has them winning the whole thing. So that, <laughs> that makes right. sense. That makes sense now. Uh, so, you know, my first guess would have been defense in terms of uh, game plan. So, I mean, like, was, was there a big defensive game plan going into Alabama besides that uh, nail concept? No, the biggest thing was, like I said, no personnel, but they're all shooters. Uh, all <laughs> but two are like, all are good shooters. Like all are great shooters, except two are okay. So it's like knowing, but you can't help. Um, but it was really trying to stay close to demand. But it's tough because you, it's hard to scout a team that runs five out and the guard just gets downhill. And if you help, they kick. So I was trying, the, I mean, the idea was we call it guard your yard. So guard your man. Um and it was like going over hell. And offensively, it was kind of cheap trying to play at our pace. But it's tough to play that when you're down. But not going into their game, not jacking like they do. Like we can't fall into just jacking up three-pointers like they do. But it's tough when that's what they're doing and they're hitting and you're down. Uh, but it's just tough. When they start hitting like that, it's it's really – you almost feel lost. It's, you just got to keep trying to play defense, keep putting a hand up, keep boxing out, and then – Keep trying to score on offense and don't worry. Don't try to get it all back in one possession. But it was tough when they were shooting like that. Like you said, they could beat anyone. For sure. For sure. Um, a little bit of a separate question. You know, what do you think What do you think Aaron Wiggins is doing next year? Because I've, I've been very, you know, I'm sure you probably have some ideas about what's happening. What's Aaron Wiggins doing What's uh, Eric Ayala doing? I'm really, you know, I'm a huge fan of them as well. And I, I just want to know, what do you think? And uh, I mean, it's stuff that we talked about a lot during the year, but then now it's like, they don't really, they don't want to say too much and they don't want to put it out there. My guess is they're going to, they, as they should, like test the water. So that means they can go put their name in the combine, but they can always come back. Smart. So That's smart. They, and then when it's the point of no return, which is like in a couple of months, then if they don't hear much, they'll come back. If they hear some good things from NBA scouts that they might draft them, then they're probably going to go. But that's what you do. So they're, they'll probably announce that they're putting their name in with 
the thought of returning. And then depending on what they hear from scouts, how they do it, certain workouts, they'll come back if they didn't hear what they want or they'll go if they have a shot to get drafted pretty high. So um, that's what they'll probably do. I know that's what a lot of people down in my career, like Anthony did it, didn't like what he heard, came back. Kevin did it, liked what he heard and left. So it's um, it's what people do and it's probably going to be the normal process they're going to do. And then depending on what they hear is what they'll decide. Wow. I mean, if if the Terps lose them, I mean, it will be a really crazy rebuild year next year. I mean, Hakeem Hart and Dante Scott will have to step up major, like, big time. And I was also, like, you know, I feel like you guys should have used Cho Marial a little more. Just, uh, you know, just a little bit because I take advantage of his height. He's like a mini taco fall. He, he's so tall. It's so funny. He's literally – no one can guard him. So I feel like he could just – you know, dominate. I don't know. I, I just felt like you guys could have used him a little more, but that's just me. And my last question here would be, what are you going to do after uh, college? What do you plan to do after Maryland basketball? So I accepted a job with Morgan Stanley. Uh, it's in Maryland office to work with the financial advising group. I'm excited for it. I'm hoping I'll see when I start, but I'll probably get a couple months off after school ends. To kind of hit the restart button, be nice. fresh, and then get into that rolling. I'm excited for it. That's awesome. That is so exciting. And I'm just excited to see where this Terps team goes. Uh, Mark Turgeon, uh, I'm a little bit on the hot seat right now, I've, I've noticed, just with his job. And, you know, if he wants to take the five-year thing. I, I've heard so many rumors. I just want him to stay, bottom line. That's, that's all it is. Just want him to stay. Want Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayala to stay, and that's it. So thank you so much, Reese, for joining me. Really, really appreciate it, man. You're the band. I really could not thank you anymore. Oh, my gosh. Amazing and just awesome to hear about March Madness. Just amazing. So definitely want to thank you for sure. Yes, sir, Jackson. Thanks for having me on again. Great for time sure. as always. For sure. We'll run, it, we'll run it back pretty soon. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. See you soon. Peace, Reese. That is Reese Mona from the University of Maryland. Wow, 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 guys. What an episode with Reese Mona. I mean, he was talking all about uh, how the Terps were just adjusting all over, the, all over um, in those games, what he was doing, how it was working, how it was affecting uh, Turgeon's game plan, you know, how, the, how Bama could just not miss. You know, they literally would not miss, guys. And I definitely want you guys, if you're listening to this right now, to go take a look at that because we got a live view of what March Madness looks like in this episode and what it was like, you know, what he did. He wasn't going outside that, that much um, and just a very, very exciting stuff. And I'll see you guys in the next episode where we'll have hopefully another interview. So we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jackson Chair Sports Radio. Peace out.